It's Arthur Idala on AM 970. The answer. This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go-to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high-profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. Got over the hump. The June, the last hump in June. Here in Midtown Manhattan in New York City. We started off the day in Supreme Court in Kings County. And then came to the office and uh, did a little client work. And then actually I was deposed today. I was the client. It's a civil issue having to do with the law. And my lawyer, Imran Ansari, who's also my partner, uh, it's amazing because you kind of have to change your mindset uh, from uh, you know being the advocate to being the one who's advocated for. I think I was a good client. Uh, I think I was a good deponent. Uh, it was a case that goes back to 2008, 2009. So I lost count of how many times I said I don't remember. Um, but it was interesting being a client. And uh, then uh, we did a little Fox 5 hit on uh, R. Kelly. R. Kelly got sentenced to 30 years in prison. Let's see, if you're 55, 65, 75, 85. Yeah, that's a long time. And um, I know he's got a couple of years in, and I know he'll get a couple of programs. uh, But maybe he'll get out when he's, you know, around 78, 79. Uh, But that is a... a reach because you know you're like oh well everyone's living longer now not when you're in prison like you're not exactly getting like the nourishment that you're looking for in prison now the flip side is i know you're going to think this is nuts but there's a lot less stress in prison there really is i mean there's an initial stress but then once you get there it's and this isn't a guess like this is from guys who i know talking to me and saying well, you know, the, you get into a routine and it's more or less the same thing. The biggest stress is boredom and monotony. But um, I still don't think the life expectancy of anyone in prison uh, is very high. Um, that was in federal court in the Eastern District of New York in front of, that's Brooklyn, in front of a judge by the name of Ann Donnelly. She's a former Manhattan ADA. And uh, then she became a judge in the state court. And then she was elevated to a judge in the federal court. Not typical for a judge to go from a state Supreme Court judge to a federal court judge. Um, but she's known as being a no-nonsense judge. I, I know her. I've appeared before her. My partner, John Esposito, I think was her classmate in the Manhattan DA's office. So the, the, uh, the U.S. Attorney's Office asked for a sentence in excess of 25 years. R. Kelly's lawyer asked for a sentence of 10 years. Uh, and the judge went with 30 years. So um, yesterday you had Miss Maxwell sentenced to 20 years uh, as being a facilitator, more or less, of sex crimes. And uh, Judge Donnelly, I believe, said that this was a uh, a case not about sex as much as about control and cruelty. Um, it's um, big days here in the criminal justice system. In the um, big, big, big picture of the justice system, today, uh, tomorrow at noon will be United States Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer's last day as an official justice. Uh, he came on the bench in 1994. He replaced Harry Blackman. It's kind of interesting because Harry Blackman wrote the original Roe v. Wade decision. And uh, as Justice Breyer goes out, that decision is getting or got reversed. Uh, Justice Breyer is a very nice man. I was he's 83 years old. I was very, very lucky to spend time with him uh, in the summer of 1991, of which I spoke last night um, with our guest regarding Justice Thomas. That was the summer Justice Thomas got uh, 
uh, nominated to the court. At that time, Justice Stephen Breyer was the chief judge of the First Circuit Court of Appeals, which is north of New York City. New York City in this area is the Second Circuit Court of Appeals. A little south of us, which is New Jersey, is the Third Circuit Court of Appeals. I guess you can follow my drift if you're looking at a map. Um, So he was basically based out of Massachusetts. I know he was good friends or had a good relationship with Professor Alan Dershowitz, who I will get on the show to talk about uh, Stephen Breyer sooner than later. But um, when I went to Italy in 1991 to study with Justice Scalia, Justice Breyer was also there. He was chief judge of the First Circuit at that time. But I will tell you, there was a night uh, in the hills of Tuscany, right outside of Siena, uh, where I had cooked for everybody, including Justice Scalia and his wife and his two aunts. But I believe they left. I don't remember them being there. I remember it being Justice Scalia, first chief of the First Circuit, Judge Breyer, myself, and about five or six other students around basically a picnic table with one of those, you know, the, the red wine that had the straw on it, the Chianti bottles with like those bottles were moving pretty quickly uh, in terms of being emptied and filled and emptied and filled. And Justice Scalia and chief of the First Circuit, uh, Judge, Judge Breyer, were going at it, man, with like crazy legal arguments at, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten o'clock at night after I had just cooked this meal of pasta. I don't even know what I made, but I was 23 years old and I was cooking for these gentlemen. And um, God bless him. I remember one of the kids, one of the students who was also 23, 24 years old, his name was David. He tried to insert himself into these, these this conversation. And I looked at him like with that look like, are you crazy? Are you nuts? You're a second year law student. You're going to go up against Scalia and Breyer. But, um, you know, Justice Breyer had a very different outlook on the court than Justice Scalia did. Um, I want to uh, ask, which one do I want you to apply? Well, play first place, Matt, play cut three. And this is Justice Stephen Breyer. Members of the court have different judicial philosophies. Some emphasize more text. Some, that was Nino Scalia. Uh, some, like me, probably emphasize more purposes. And the great divisions are probably much more along those lines than they are of what we would think of as political lines, after all. So there, he just summed it up. There are some judges who, like Scalia, like Alito, like Thomas, who say, look, our job is to read the Constitution, and what those words mean is that's what they meant when they, at the time they were written, not at what they've evolved to mean. So that's why Scalia had all these old dictionaries. Um, they are, that, that's, that, those are the laws we have to enforce, and if there's someone who's going to change them, it's Congress who should change them, not us. Justice Breyer, Justice um, William Brennan, um, Justice Thurgood Marshall, uh, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, J- Justice T- Stevens, they thought that it was more of their role to interpret the Constitution and the laws and bring them into the modern era. Uh, I'm not going to say which way is right or which way is wrong, but the person, the people who are looking at the text more seriously, they feel like they're usurping their power. They're usurping the powers of Congress if they bring things into the modern era, that it's Congress's job to bring the laws and the statutes into the modern era, not the court's job. But Justice Breyer felt differently. Um, Play cut four for me, Matt. Turn on the television set and see how people decide things in countries where they don't have a rule of law. And he was a true patriot, uh, really believed in the system, believed in the checks and balances, believed in, in our form of government, and he refers to it, you know, as the great experiment. Play the last cut number six, Matt. It's an experiment that's still going on. And I'll tell you something. You know who will see whether that experiment works? It's you, Mr. High School student. It's you, Mr. College student. It's you, Mr. Law School students. It's us, but it's you. It's that next generation. And the and- one after that. My grandchildren and their children. They'll determine whether the experiment still works. And, of course, I am an optimist, and I'm pretty sure it will. 
And that last line, that gives you a, a real flavor of who Justice Breyer was. Number one, he is an optimist. He's a really nice guy. Um, when I went to the court and uh, right after Justice Scalia died, I got to spend some time with Justice Breyer. And I said, you know, how's it going? He's like, it's just not the same without Nino. And they were on total opposite ends of almost every major uh, dispute regarding the law. And yet they were really, really good friends, really good friends. Uh, for a while, they sat next to each other uh, because they, you sit as, as her seniority. So they would sit during the oral arguments and they were always writing notes and whispering each other's ears. It was real funny. So we wish Justice Breyer all the best. And uh, he mentioned high school students. We're going to have one on the show right after this. So you don't have to be the police to be walking on the moon to get your house painted in a ceramic coating known as Rhino Shield. Yep, Rhino Shield. It is not paint. It is a ceramic coating that surrounds your house, envelops your home. It will make sure that you don't pay more in heating bills or cooling bills because it keeps the hot air in when you want it in and the cool air in when you want it in. And it looks beautiful year after year after year. And right, it keeps going. It comes with a 25-year transferable warranty. That's right. Susan will give you a document at the end when your house is painted with a 25-year transferable warranty and gets peeling, chipping, cracking, mold, or mildew. And someone asked me, well, how do I know that the company Rhino Shield is going to be in existence in 25 years? Well, they've been in existence for more than that at this point. So keep our fingers crossed that they're going to keep on going. Um, and right now, right now, Susan is offering no payments, no interest, no interest financing for one year. All you got to do is give her a call at 877-744-6608, 877-744-6608, and she'll also give you a 20% discount on the total price of the project. All you have to do is re request a free quote by June the 30th. So call today and lock in your 20% discount at 877-744-6608. Or just go to rhinoshieldofnewyork.com. Diabetes, high blood pressure, anxiety meds, everyone's on them. If you're a 50-year-old male, maybe a bit porky, and you may even have type 2 diabetes, a million dollars of term insurance may only cost you about 200 bucks a month. Call Term Provider. Speak with Big Lou at 800-333-1750. Big Lou will find a term life policy for you even if you have type 2 diabetes, are overweight, or have high blood pressure. Term Provider has helped thousands of people like you who think they can't afford term life insurance. To buy a million dollars of affordable term life for you, all you need to do is call Big Lou at 800-333-1750. Lou will make sure the scales are tipped in your favor. Call 800-333-1750. Big Lou will answer your call and work to fit you into a term life policy that you can afford. Remember, Big Lou's like you. He's on meds, too. Call 800-333-1750. 800-333-1750. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. The Arthur Idala Power Hour is sponsored in part by the good people at Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey. America's been thunderstruck by the all-new 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander. Get high style without the high price, plus an industry-leading 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Drive one today at Freehold Mitsubishi for the best selection and outstanding customer service. Just a short ride from anywhere in the metro tri-state area. Visit FreeholdMitsubishi.com or call 732-863-2788. Is the people here go colder? I turn to my computer and spend my evenings with it like a friend. I was loading a new program I had ordered from a magazine. Are you lonely? Are you lost? So 
Sambolino. This is Kate Bush now, like she's a superstar because her 37 year old song is in Stranger <laughs> Things. Is that what's well, going on? Well, I, I thought this song was especially fitting for this particular topic. But yeah, she's back in the spotlight thanks to Stranger Things. It's amazing. I love that song back when I was in, uh, um, I don't know, kind of where our next guest was Alex, a sophomore in uh, high school. Now oh, maybe I was a little older than that. Um, well. I'm looking at John Esposito in my office. He's the person who I said earlier was a classmate. John, Judge Donnelly was your classmate, right, in the Manhattan DA's office? That is correct. Um, and, and he's got a daughter. John's got a daughter, Sophia. I have a niece, um, Juliana. Mike Sabella, who the other lawyer in my firm just walked by, he's got kids. And what is our biggest complaint? Last night at my father's birthday party, what was his biggest complaint about his beautiful granddaughter, Juliana, who we love? Look at her. Look at her. All she's got is her nose in the phone. We're here eating dinner, and all she's got is her nose on the phone. Of course, she's posing and doing all this. So you would think an adult would be the one to stand up and, you know, do something beneficial for the community to try to get kids off of technology and maybe back into the community and giving back to the community. But guess what? It wasn't one of us adults. It was a young man. And from his photographs, a very handsome young man. His name is Alex Ron Seattle, and he's a junior at North Haven High School in Connecticut, and he's here on the Arthur Idala Power Hour to tell us about the not-for-profit that he started. Hi, Alex. It's Arthur. How are you, young man? Pretty good. How are you? I just want to thank you for bringing me on the show. Oh, very well. Alex, did you do any push-ups today? Only a few. All right, all right. As long as you know, I mean, I know you're a big soccer player. I know you're into fencing, but uh, you know, at your age, you really you're allowed to cheat. Don't worry about it. Um, so, tell us a little bit what motivated you to uh, found this this cyberbullying anti-cyberbullying site called More Than Likes last year. And likes, for those who don't know, means when you put something on Facebook or this, Twitter, or you name it, TikTok, and like everyone like, how many likes did I get? Oh, I posted a picture of me coming out of the shower. How many likes did I get? So that's when he uses the word more than likes. The likes is for meaning, referring to social media. So Alex, tell us what, what made you kick this off. Well, it really started after I experienced cyberbullying firsthand. It was horrible. It really was. I was new student new school trying to make friends and instead of being welcomed i was really just i don't want to say hated but i really wasn't welcomed and experiencing cyberbullying firsthand opened up the door to um kind of other other students other kids other stories and that's kind of what made me start more than likes not just for me but for everyone else who was being cyberbullied and just for folks who don't really know what cyberbullying is, and I'm not trying to embarrass you, but like, it, it, what is it? Is it just people like putting things on your Facebook page about, you know, you're a dork or a geek or whatever? Or is it someone going on their own page and writing something nasty about you? Or is it a little of both? I think it's a little of both and much more. Personally, I was. Um attacked on all my social media accounts, people commenting hurtful things, making me feel bad. I was called repeatedly by people just, and when I would answer, they'd say really, really mean stuff. So it really doesn't even have to be on like a social media platform. It could be on a phone call really. And cyberbullying encompasses all of that. And I think that's what people don't know. And that's what people need to realize. And people need to realize that it's a massive problem in America and the world. So tell me what tell tell us about the quote quote unquote more than likes uh, foundation that you started. So it started as I said because I was cyberbullied and I brought together a board of individuals, all teenagers, all around my age, who may have similar stories, may be here for different things, but in the end, they all really want to help curb cyberbullying. So more than likes is we connect local teams, national teams, and really any teenager in the country to meaningful community service events. So, for example, we just recently did a Pennies for Pink fundraiser where we connected teens to making, we made these big jars where we would put at different sites across uh, Connecticut, which is where I live, and really uh, we collected money for breast cancer. And these activities that we've done, we've done a toy drive, we've done a bunch of stuff really are supposed to show how teens are more than alike and they can be, they can take themselves off of social media. They can put their phone down, 
phone down and say, hey, I really want to get to work. I want to make a change in the community. And this correlates with cyberbullying because, hey, I'm putting the phone down. I'm trying to take a stand because I really don't like what's going on. And I want to say, hey, cyberbullying isn't me. I'm not going to be a part of it. I want to help stop it, put the phone down, and kind of get involved. Well, Alex, there are people in my office, my law firm here, who are listening who are actually applauding you, so congratulations. Um, I do have a question. Is there any more, like, real bullying, like the kind that me and John Esposito experience, where, like, someone comes up to you in the locker room and puts their hand around your throat and says, hey, jerk, I'm going to, you know, catch you after school and beat you down? Personally, from a public school, high school standpoint, I really have not seen a lot of that. Really, um, of course, there are certain uh, instances like everything, but more so what I've been seeing is just social media. And I mean, I think we can kind of accredit this to the global pandemic, pushing everyone. Uh, My school was online. Everyone was online. So so, uh, technology just kind of was thrown in everyone's faces and said, here, use this software, connect with people virtually, no more face-to-face contact. Yeah, and you I could really also be a, you is, could, uh, I'm sorry, Alex, but you could also be a real tough guy with your thumbs, right? If you're just if you're uh, yep. 20 miles away and you're just uh, you know tapping away, you could really be uh, you know you could really be a big shot. What about kids in your um, in your age group in the in the state of Connecticut, people you're around? Um, how much time nowadays do they spend gaming on their phones as opposed to gaming on the soccer field or the lacrosse field or the baseball field? Well, I mean, there's an uh, there's a system on most phones where it can track screen time, they call it. Correct. But nowadays, screen time has gone up. It used to be, hey, call, make a call here, uh, maybe send a message here, really insignificant things. But now after these social media platforms like Twitter, like Facebook, like Instagram, TikTok even, they just consume so much of our day because instead of, hey, making face-to-face contact, talking with friends, doing stuff that could be even bettering, not saying that all technology is bad, but you go online and instead, hey, you're watching videos, you're commenting hurtful things, you're trying to trying to make yourself be more like these big influencers when in reality you're not and you're supposed to be a unique person. Alex, how old are you? 17. Nice. And so what, you're going into your senior year? Yes. In September? I am. In September, you're going into senior year. Well, I want to congratulate you, young man for doing something very productive, identifying an issue. And we all know it's an issue. It's not an, it's, it, that's, that's not the issue is whether it's an issue or not. It's definitely an issue. And a lot of people talk about it, like people on radio. And then there are other people who actually do something about it. And you did something about it. And uh, you should be applauded for it. And I hope you get into a great, uh, a, a great college in a year and a half because of it. So keep up the great work, Alex. And um, anytime you need any help, or you want a little uh, publicity, feel free to give us a call back. Okay, buddy? All right. Thank you so much. And I just want to thank you for having me. And I just hope this uh, really inspired anyone who has been cyberbullied and who would really want to seek help. Please visit More Than Likes. We're really happy to help. All right, Alex. Be well, my man. You too. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. It's great when you got Joan standing over here. I have headphones on, right? So I can't hear her. She's like, Matt, I need a little a little music here, Joan. Thank you very much. It's like, whoa. Oh, my God. I've never been cyberbullied. When was I cyberbullied? Oh, stop it. The firm was cyberbullied. Let me look. I am. I, I understand what Alex is talking about, and I know it's a different generation. You know how I was bullied? I could, I'm not going to name names, but I can remember the names. It was 5.30 in the afternoon. I was getting undressed from, like, I was a sophomore in high school, and one of the seniors, like, threw me into the locker and closed it and locked me in at 5.30. School ends at 6. All the after, You know how terrifying that was? I'm in the men's room, the boys' room, on the second floor. They opened up the window. They held me outside the window by my ankles. If they would have let me go, if they would have slipped, if I wasn't dead, I'd be moving around by blowing through a straw in a wheelchair. Billy Casadente, I'm standing there talking to Elise Lombardo and Kim Rayner, two of the most prettiest girls in my class. And that particular morning, my mom, I was like, I don't know, I was 14, 15 I probably was a no. Billy was a senior. I was a freshman. So I'm talking. My particular morning, my mom was a little behind on the laundry. So you know, the only underwear I had left in my in my in my little underwear drawer 
from when I was 12 years old, 8, eight 10 years old, my green Hulk underoos, okay? So they're basically white with, like, the green all around me, and I have, like, Hulk's picture on, like, little, little where my pee-pee would go. And I'm talking to these two girls, and I'm thinking I'm so cool, and Billy Casadenti comes right behind me. I'm wearing gym shorts, and he rips the gym. He's so strong. He rips the gym shorts right off of me, and there I am looking at Kim and Elise with my Hulk underoos standing there. So you know what? You know, I, I get the cyberbullying, and it sucks. But, you know, there's real bullying, too. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. All right. So it is the bottom of the hour. And it is your last opportunity tomorrow, June the 30th, to go to Bayside, Queens at 11 a.m. or 3 p.m. to the Adria Hotel to listen and watch and be in the same room with Mike Connors of Connors and Sullivan, the law firm. He's going to give a little seminar or a big seminar at those two times, 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. in Bayside, Queens at the Adria Hotel to talk about wills and trusts and power of attorneys and healthcare proxies and living wills and estate planning because planning for your future is important. And you and your family need to be protected. And Mike Connors is the one to protect you. So if you weren't able to make any of his seminars this whole week that he was doing them all over Brooklyn and Queens, the last one is tomorrow. Actually, he's got one tonight, right after the show in Bay Ridge at the Greenhouse Cafe. Um, You could just call Connors and Sullivan at 718-238-6500 and you'll get your free, your own free office appointment. 718-238-6500. Connors and Sullivan, don't hesitate, give them a call, that's where I go, that's where my family goes, and just remember what Mike Connors always says, the biggest mistake when it comes to estate planning is not planning at all. Want more AM 970 The Answer? Take us on the go with our Listen Live feature at am970theanswer.com or download our AM 970 The Answer app today. Just go to the iPhone App Store or Google Play Store and search AM 970 The Answer. Today, it's Wellness Wednesday on Radio Night Live with Kevin McCullough. Sponsored by Balance of Nature, the whole fruit and vegetable capsule delivering your maximum nutrition in every dose. 100% whole food nutrition with the taste, smell, and color of pure fruits and veggies. As nature intended just for you. Try them now and see for yourself. 35% off and free shipping. Call now, 800-2468-751 or balanceofnature.com. And don't miss Wellness Wednesday, tonight at 7 p.m. on AM 970. The Answer. Hi, Kevin McCullough. Coming up tonight at 7 o'clock on Radio Night Live, you won't believe the lineup. It is the gubernatorial candidate for the uh, Republicans, uh, Lee Zeldin, followed by Dr. Mark Siegel, Tom Jones, and even some of Kamala Harris. You don't want to miss this. It's 7 o'clock tonight. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey, is proud to be an automotive leader in our area and sponsor of the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Mitsubishi dreamers, designers, and engineers are redefining choices in mobility for a whole new generation of independent, modern, and savvy consumers who want value, like the new redesigned 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander featuring its industry-leading Mitsubishi 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Visit Freehold Mitsubishi today, freeholdmitsubishi.com, or call 732-863-27. We're back to the Arthur Idala Power Hour with New York City's preeminent trial attorney and quintessential New Yorker, attorney Arthur Idala. All right. So we went from talking to high school students to uh, titans. Yes, we're about to speak to a titan, a titan in the world of New York City, the greatest city in the world. So who do you talk to the day after Election Day in the state of New York? The one, the only, the regular Idola Power Hour guest, Frank Setio. Hello, Uncle Frank. How are you, sir? Arthur, how are you? How are you doing? Sounds like you had a pretty good show tonight. Everything is great, thank God. Um, any surprises from the uh, the election yesterday? Not at all. If you remember, we uh, spoke about this earlier in the year. The, the people we thought were going to win did win. Zeldin did win the uh, Republican nomination. Uh, interesting race, although it was a little close for a while. And Kathy Hochul was far, far ahead all along. I think the only surprise of the election is that Jumani Williams, 
uh, significantly well with 22%, and and uh, Tom Swazi just fell apart at 11. Uh, I think unfortunately he's made himself uh, a lot of enemies in the party by his attacks on the on the governor. And, and well, I also think who, though, Frank, from votes. Well, regarding Swazi, I really think I mean the voter turnout is horrific, right? The the percentage of the turnout is so low. And the it's, problem with the, the problem with the primary system is, you know, the, the, more or less the the far left come out and vote, and the far right come out and vote. And you know, Swazi is far from a, a far left guy. I mean, he was he was putting himself to the right of Hochul, whereas Jumani was putting himself to the left of Hochul. And I think that's why Jumani did so well. Am I correct? I, I agree, and I think I don't know that it was that he put himself far to the right, but he was trying to attract what I'd like to call the regular Democrat. You know, despite all the hula about who's running the Democratic Party, most of the people who are registered Democrats are middle-of-the-road people who are not necessarily right or left, but kind of like to see something in the center. And I think Tom was trying to attract that vote, but I don't think that vote came out, and that's why he did so poorly. Yeah, and he said it. He was on the show Monday night, uh, you know, the night before election night. He said that uh, they'd be happy if 15% of the potential voters came out. And I don't even know if they got to that number of 15%. I don't think they, I don't think they did. I'm looking now. It says basically 900,000 people voted in the Republican, in the, in the Democratic primary out of the whole state of New York, which is what, 21 million? Uh, I think we're about 18 or 19 million. But not, not, but not only that, there's probably about 3 million or 4 million registered Democrats in the state. And it's, it, I think it's disgraceful. I mean, the numbers are just, you know, I, I, I don't understand it. But no one seemed to realize this election was occurring. And I think it was more confusing when they changed the rules and said, oh, we're going to have another election August 23rd. Right. I don't think that did the parties or, or the electorate any justice when we created that kind of confusion. When you People went to thinking vote. that they're actually going to vote in August. When you went and voted yesterday, they actually gave you a little advertisement for the August uh, the August election, and you know I, that's a weird time. I mean, that is a prime vacation time August that that week of August because uh, you know it's, it's especially the world we live in, right? The, the the courts are quiet, you know, business is quiet. It's like the one time of the year that, and maybe Christmas week. It's like okay, it's the last week of summer. Let's just you know chill out before it's back to school, back to work. Back. So God knows what kind of turnout we're gonna have. And tell the listeners, Frank, who, who, what elections are going to be held in August because of the whole redistricting mess? Well, we're going to start. We're going to be there's going to be the congressional elections to start with, and probably one of the most interesting of all the races in the state is going to be in the 10th congressional district. That's that new one that they created that covers southern Manhattan and the northern parts of Brooklyn. Uh, that's going to be probably the, the place with the best activity. But for the most part, uh, most of our Congress people there, there's no real races out there. And then there's the New York State Senate. There is going to be a number of races for the state Senate. Um, I mean, I was talking with Joe Adabo the other day, who was actually really drawn out of his district. Uh, he's, he's a Howard Beach guy. He got taken out of Howard Beach, and they put Roxanne Passard in Howard Beach. How they figure that, I don't know. But uh, and Joe's now running in, in the district at about 65% of what he had. What about the Jerry, guy, Jerry Nadler and Carol Maloney? What about Natalie Maloney? Oh, that's the real, by the way, in the congressional seats, that's going to be, that's going to get all the attention. I think the tent is more important, but it's the, the worst part about the Maloney and, and, and in that race is we're going to lose one of the two most senior people in the uh, United States Congress. And what people just don't realize is seniority is everything in Congress. Yep. The people who hold all the uh, important posts are senior members of, of Congress. These are two of the titans. We lose one of them. New York loses. The monies, the influence, the ability to get things done that comes from a senior congressman can't be matched by anybody who first starts going with a bad choice. Now, going back to the 10th, uh, Mayor de Blasio, that's, his, that's, that's the race he's in. Uh, as we've said over and over again, I think one mayor in the last 50, 60 years has gone on to elected office. I think that was a judge. Imperatrice or someone became a, a judge. Uh, he was elected to a judgeship. Does, uh, yeah. How are things looking for Mayor de Blasio right now in the congressional race? Well, I'd like to think dismal. I mean, it's amazing. The mayor turned around and did actually slap APAC in the face, which is the Jewish 
a group that, that advocates for Israel. I mean, this is what you think is going to win you an election? And that's the level you have to stoop to, to, to uh, think that you have a possibility of winning? Shame on him. And wow. I think the greatest can the best candidate in that race, I think is Carolina, um, I think Ortiz, so last name. She's, she's the new face in that game. Everyone else is a rethread from someplace else. She might have a shot and she can build some momentum and some money. Now, Frank, I, I, I know you listen to the show a lot. And I, I, told, I think I told you my biggest criticism that people keep giving me is I'm I'm always too nice to, to Eric Adams, to Mayor Adams, and because I know you and I are all rooting for him, and even a lot of people who are rooting for him say you know you could give the guy some constructive criticism. The fact that like the third or fourth story in the newspaper today is that Eric Adams has given Rudy Giuliani a hard time about that case of him getting smacked in the back and why they're yeah. taking time, why the mayor is taking time out of his I don't care if it's an extra two minutes. I think it's a little ridiculous. What are your thoughts? I absolutely agree. I mean, uh, I won't make a determination of whether that was a slap on the back, a punch, or whatever regarding uh, Mayor Giuliani, because that's that's his impression of what happened. But I think that uh, this is kind of a little payback <laughs> from the right. mayor exactly. to uh, to Giuliani for the way he's been knocking him on the radio every day. That I, I and Rudy, that I listen correct. to you. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. No, it's you know. I I spoke to Mayor Giuliani today, and uh, by the way, my friend Frank just filled in the blank. The woman who I think is running for Congress, I think her last name is Rivera. Does that make sense? Yeah, Carlina Rivera. Carlina Rivera. Um, but I, I spoke to Mayor Giuliani today, and you know, he basically when he's not on the radio, he's much more. When he's not in front of a television screen or a radio or a microphone, he's a very different person. He's much more calm. And, uh, you know, he basically said, he goes, look, I, what, I didn't file a report. He said uh, the police listened to what I think. They came in, they spoke to me, they spoke to everyone there, and then they filed the charges. I didn't file the charges. But it's just such a waste of time. I mean, it really is a, a, a waste of time. You know what? But these are the things that make news, and this is what sells newspapers off. They're kind of sensationalism. I, and, I know. Um, so. Do you get to do you get to chill out a little bit because I know you had to work a lot uh, for yesterday's uh, primary. So we had a number of races. I, I'm not exaggerating, and I I got 116 phone calls today from nine o'clock this morning till now, just dealing, putting out some of the fires, sympathizing with the losers, congratulating the winners, and figuring out how we're going to go forward in the future. One of the things that no one listens about or cares about is the actual local democratic politics. And, you know, we have a real fight in Brooklyn uh, for uh, between the right, the, with the essential people and the, and the left, the progressives, about who's going to control the party. And there was a real effort on their part this year to do so, and they made a few gains. Uh, nothing that I think matters in the long run, but it's just, you know, every year you make a few more gains, and at some point you're going to be the guy on the top. I and, get uh, it, Frank Sadio. I, I get that's it. That's got to be focused on as two Brooklyn boys, we both get it. I, I listen to this, folks. 116 phone calls, and yet he still found 15 minutes to jump on uh, and let you guys hear from an expert on what's going on. Before I let you go, Frank, I, I am uh, a fan of Tom Swazi and his abilities. Is there any is there any place for him to go after this? Well, I'll tell you all. I begged him from day one, and I have a long relationship with him. To well, I'm the Lieutenant Governor. Where do you think he would be today if he listened to me? And the truth is, I, I think it's going to take a little bit of a while for the governor to forgive him. Uh, and you might have noticed last night that she only can thank Germani and never mentioned him. Uh, I think she found his uh, last few weeks uh, being very insulting and uh, and derogatory. And I think that's something he has to work on. But I'm more concerned how his of uh, their reaction of the party towards him. And... Um, you have to see. But I'm one of those guys who likes to help people solve problems. And I know. You're always solving problems. And, and as my buddy Derek just texted me, Frank, if you don't vote, you don't have the right to complain. Vote and make your voice heard or shut up. Derek, how can we get you to go to everybody's house and tell them that? There you go. All right, Frank Sedio, thanks so much. We'll catch up real soon. My pleasure. I look forward to saying hello to the baby. I will. God bless. Thank you. We'll be right Thank back, you. folks. Oh, I love that song. Love Vigilantes. I want to see my family, my wife and child waiting for me. I want to go home. 
I've been so alone, you see. It's about a guy and the war and all this kind of stuff. But you know where there, there's a little bit of a war? There's a little bit of war on the side of your home when the rain comes down and when the sun hits it and, and when those, those maybe those termites come and get you and the mold and the mildew. And the way to protect your house is to call my friend Susan at Rhino Shield and have her seal it up for you. Have her use that ceramic coating and it's 10 times thicker than paint. It'll wrap your house in that tight box and you won't get peeling, chipping, cracking, mold, or mildew. And she's so sure of it, she's going to give you a 25-year transferable warranty. So call her today and lock in your 20% discount. That's right. She's going to give you a 20% discount. All you have to do is ask for a free, no-obligation quote. Call her at 877-744-6608, 877-744-6608, or go to rhinoshieldofnewyork.com. Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey, is proud to be an automotive leader in our area and sponsor of the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Driving ambition for 40 years in the United States, Mitsubishi Motors sees the automotive industry differently. Mitsubishi challenges convention with innovative approaches in the way Mitsubishi engineers and builds their vehicles. Just look at the all-new redesigned 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander, now in stock in all trim levels and all with the flexibility of third-row seating. Visit Freehold Mitsubishi today, freeholdmitsubishi.com, or call 732-863-2000. Being mindful about your health can be a challenge. Invite Health is making this easy with our buy one, get one free Independence Day sale. The sale is on now. Buy any Invite Health product at suggested retail and get the second bottle free. Make your summer better by learning more about health and wellness from me, Dr. Amanda Williams, right here on 970 The Answer, Monday through Friday at noon. You can check out my past shows and podcasts at invitehealth.com. You can speak with a degreed healthcare professional seven days a week, in person, by phone, or by video. To order, call 800-673-2345. That's 800-673-2345. Or visit invitehealth.com to place your order and check out our retail locations and additional product offers. Take advantage of Invite's limited-time buy-one-get-one-free Independence Day sale. Contact Invite at 800-673-2345. That number again, 800-673-2345. Or go to invitehealth.com. Invite Health. Get healthy, stay healthy. When you're an innovative business, every blinking cursor is an opportunity. What will you do with it? Will you make something better or create something new? Our Dell Technologies advisors provide you with expertise and tools with Windows 11 to do incredible things. Because we believe there's an innovator in all of us. To do more with a Latitude laptop, Dell Technologies recommends Windows 11 Pro for business. Call a Dell Technologies advisor at 877-ASK-DELL. Kevin McCullough is next on AM 970, The Answer. Traveling in a fighter combi On a hippie trailhead full of zombies I met a strange lady, she made me nervous she took me in and gave me breakfast And she said Do you come from a land down under A women go and men wonder Can't you hear, can't you hear the thunder You gotta run, you gotta take cover How tall was he? Six foot four and full of muscle. I want to know what he ate. What did he eat? I said, do you speak my language? What did he give you? What did he eat? Come on. He just smiled and gave me a Vegemite sandwich. A Vegemite sandwich. So when I was in Australia uh, on this day in 2016, somewhere along the line, I asked, what's a Vegemite sandwich? And the guy I asked says, you you don't want to know. It's uh, some kind of a green spread that just, I think it's maybe supposed to be healthy, but it wasn't. I don't know. The, the guy told me not to go find, not to go find. What'd you say, Joni? Okay, Joni's neighbor. Do neighbors here in New York love it? Okay, well, I guess when I was on search for culinary del- delights, 
uh, in Australia. No one was recommending the Vegemite sandwich. They were re- recommending these little cookies, these like chocolate. I got the dark covered chocolate cookies. It was like their version of the Oreo, but it was chocolate covered. And that's in 2016. I brought back a couple of boxes. They're like little, you know, regular like Oreo sized boxes. And, and I milked those out for a while. Pardon the pun, milking in the thing. Oh, you know what? I'm looking at a little magazine, a little magnet here. My buddy, um, he doesn't mention my name on the radio, so maybe I shouldn't mention his, but I will. Um, he sent me, I think, a thank you card for his son's uh, christening, and it came with a magnet of little Carmine. And I, I brought it from the home to the office, and I'm looking at this little cute little bald kid, and then there's my gorgeous little blonde daughter. Um, and, you know, sometimes when the walls are closing in, uh, you look over to your right and you see these little kids and it really makes you smile and realize what life is all about. And it's interesting when we started the show with Justice Breyer and he talked about this beautiful country and that it still is an experiment. And I know uh, President Obama has said that. Uh, and he said, you know, uh, he won't. He's 83 years old. He won't see how the experiment ends, but maybe his grandchildren or his great great children will. And who knows, maybe Ariana and Carmine will, will hopefully see this experiment be successful. Um, I guess I don't remember a time in my life, or maybe I wasn't as astute or focused on it, where I felt this insecure about our system of government. Um, you know, the, the, the reaction to the Supreme Court's decision on overturning Roe v. Wade the Democrats are really coming down on President Biden saying he's a quote-unquote institutionalist, meaning he believes in our system of government and he's not doing anything dramatic like let's try to pass legislation uh, to add more justices to the Supreme Court. And now he would have uh, some Democratic appointees or set term limits, which if that was done the right way, I would not necessarily object there are not many jobs in life that you have for life um so i would really like to do some some i mean i would like to think like being a child a good responsible child and respecting your parents is a job you have for life and i'd like to think your job as a parent taking care of a child is a job but that's not really a job that's a passion um but I don't know. I mean, like Howard Stern doesn't have a job for life, right? I mean, Johnny Carson didn't have a job for life. Um, obviously, the president of the United States is term limits. I, I would not have, if it was done the right way, I would not have an issue term limiting judges on all levels, even in the federal court. I mean, some of these federal court judges, you know, yes, they're Judge Weinstein in the Eastern District. I, I had one of his last cases in front of him. I believe he was 97. Um, and he still had his, his wits about him, but, um, so they're giving Biden a hard time about, you know, not being a dramatic enough or forceful enough in his reaction to this. Um, you know, cause what he said was go to the ballot box, go to the voting booth. What we just spoke about with Frank Setio and make the change there. Well, you can't call him an institutionalist for saying that you should call him an American for saying it because, that's how the system of checks and balances is all set up. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's very complicated uh, at uh, 6.53 in the afternoon or the evening, I should say, here in New York City to really dig dig that deep. But we have a system where Congress is supposed to put a check on the presidency and the president, to some degree, has veto power to put a check on Congress and the Supreme Court of the United States is really supposed to put a check on uh, on both of those uh, branches of government. And everyone says, well, you know, when the Supreme Court corrects itself, it usually gives rights back and it doesn't take rights away. But one thing about Justice Breyer that I know Justice, drove Justice Scalia crazy is he wrote uh, a decision, a dissent regarding the death penalty and the constitutionality of the death penalty. And... What Justice Scalia would say as a textualist was in the time of the writing of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, the main punishment for a felony was the death penalty. So how, as a Supreme Court justice, can you rule that 
the death penalty is against the Constitution when at the time of the writing of the Constitution, it was it, it, that, that was the, the most or one of the most widely used forms of punishment. Um, so but Justice Breyer says, well, you know, we've evolved, we've evolved as a society. And there was a time where it was illegal, the, the, the death penalty uh, in, in the in, it was ruled unconstitutional. Uh, Justice Breyer's decision, though, if you read it, it makes a lot of sense. But what it does is it now makes the Supreme Court of the United States of America into a legislative branch, as opposed that you know, as opposed to these guys and women who are appointed by one individual. Yes, they're confirmed by the Congress, but appointed by one individual, the president, and they're there for life. And what Scalia told me once, he goes, "I don't go to the bars. I don't go to shows. I don't know what people want." I shouldn't be the one making the, the laws. And Breyer felt differently. Breyer felt that using the nine justices' life experience, they should be able to interpret the Constitution in a way that makes it more practical, more pragmatic, more rational, more logical. And Scalia and Alito and Thomas and now the new generation of Gorsuch and Kavanaugh and uh, Amy Comey Barrett, you know, they're they're back to the... No, if it's not written in the Constitution, if it's not written in the statute, then it's not our job to change it. It's Congress's job to change it. <sighs> These lighthearted issues on a Wednesday night. I'm leaving here to go to the Friars Club. Uh, Imran Ansari is a host. He's an official host on Law and Crime, which is a network on the Internet and on certain channels on television. And uh, he is hosting a little event. I don't know if it's that little. I think he's going to be over 100 people there at the Friars Club um, for the hosts and the guests and the production people um, of Law and Crime. So I'm sure I'm going to see a lot of familiar faces. Um, I'm still, like, battling this little cold thing, so I don't think I'm going to stay long. And uh, full day of work tomorrow and a full day of work on Friday. We're going to be broadcasting live and local Thursday and Friday. Tomorrow, I am going to have, God willing, with his trial schedule, Stuart Slotnick on. His dad, uh, Barry Slotnick, uh, was a storied criminal defense lawyer. He, well, he was a, a lawyer, and many people know him for his criminal defense cases. Um, they've written a book about uh, Mr. Slotnick's cases, the senior Mr. Slotnick's cases. So hopefully my friend from the Brooklyn DA's office, Stu, is going to come uh, here to uh, the office, and we're going to go over... Uh, some of the accounts that are in the um, that are in the book, it'll definitely be interesting because Stu's an interesting guy in and of himself. And between the two of us, I think we'll have a couple of uh, a couple of little things to chat about. Gary Busey is seventy eight years old. He is the villain in Lethal Weapon, the first one, and he is fantastic. He's been in a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff, but he's like a half a nut, and I think he's fantastic. Um, that's it. I hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you to Alex, who was a nervous wreck, apparently, according to Joan, the uh, the uh, teenager before he came on the show. But I thought he did a great job. Frank Sedia was wonderful. I'm off to the Friars Club. Have a wonderful Wednesday night. We will see you tomorrow. Don't don't forget to watch and tune in. Ciao. The preceding program sponsored by Freehold Mitsubishi.